Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute. I'm your host, Doug Krause. I work at BMO Harris Bank. You can always reach me at 816-728-3631. Email me at doug.krause, that's C-R-O-U-S-E, at bmo.com or dougkrause.com. And that's also where you can request a copy of my book. It has all my contact info as well as my team. Today, I just want to focus a little bit on some of the common mistakes I see people make and probably a small segment of my book. So if you get an opportunity to request a copy of that, again, DougKraus.com or HippocraticHouse.com. We just give away free copies on a weekly basis. Actually just sent out 100 copies yesterday. So love for you to request a copy. But some of the mistakes I see happen are people getting in a hurry especially residents. I mean, you're just so short on time as it is. You're probably packing up, moving across the country. And one of the very first things I see is you've packed everything up and then you don't know where it's at. You're going to need stuff like your tax return. Hopefully as a resident, you know, something simple like a W-2 will work, but even those typically are with your tax return. So just be mindful as you're getting ready to make a move knowing that you're going to probably be buying something or even buying right at the time of the move, then having everything you need accessible for when you're talking to somebody like me, it's always easier if you have that one or two boxes of important stuff that you know where it's at instead of being buried all your life belongings. So I guess I always want to say, and this is a another snippet directly from the book, is read the fine print. And by that, I mean, don't be in such a hurry to make an offer that you're not reading your contract. There's just so many things depending on the contract and the realtor you're using. That's why also very, very important that you work with a professional realtor instead of somebody that it's almost a part-time job for them. There's so many gotchas in a contract. And I'll just give you a, for instance, if you're building new construction, I can't tell you how many times I've seen they're all written by the builder's attorney and they have out clauses for everything, meaning that you are subject to so much more, not in your favor language in the contract versus just buying a resale that you have to read those with a fine tooth comb. The same goes for closing documents and I'm not suggesting you go to closing and spend three hours reading every detail because 90% of what you're signing is boilerplate. But man, I have started sending all my clients copies after they've closed, like another copy of their first payment, because I have a lot of people reaching out to say, hey, I never got anything. Where's my first payment coupon? It's always in your closing package. So just be mindful. I know it's an exciting time when you're closing. You just want to get through closing and get over and start unloading your truck. Pay attention to what you're signing. I mean, you might be signing a million dollar obligation or two million for that for that matter, but know what you're signing. And again, I'm not saying that you have to read through the deed of trust, 18 pages, something crazy like that. It's all boilerplate, but same time, there's certain documents that matter in the closing disclosure, which is the settlement statement and the mortgage itself or the note. Uh, your payment, knowing when and where you're going to make your payment, all that stuff's super important. So make sure you read that. Again, going back to the details things, I see people 
paid for and get home warranties. I'm not for or against them. I think if you're closed on a house or two, you've probably realized that they're not as inclusive as you might expect. So they definitely have their drawbacks, but I've also seen people, you know, that spend four, five, six hundred dollars on a home warranty and saved them several thousand dollars on an air conditioner or furnace. And that's really where you're going to come out is not so much on the appliances, but furnace, air conditioner, and water heater. Those are the three main things. But they also have condition that you can't be buying a house that's got a 30-year-old furnace and then it finally just dies on you and expect they're going to buy you a new furnace or air conditioner just based on that. It has to be something that actually broke that is deemed just standard wear and tear it broke from. Not that, hey, I bought a house with a worn out furnace and air conditioner and then let somebody convince you to spend 700 bucks that somebody else is going to come in right behind you and give you a $20,000 new system. It doesn't work that way. So read the fine print on those two. It's pretty short. Most of those are only one or two pages worth of details. So before you pay five to $700 for one of those, make sure you know what you're getting. Another thing is, again, it's always everybody's in a rush and sometimes that's understandable with the lack of time, but it's a huge decision when you're buying a house. So don't be in such a rush that, you know, you're not paying attention to everything and know what the true cost is. And I'll give you a, for instance, most houses, the HOA fees are pretty reasonable. You know, you're not going to get too outlandish, but someone buying a condo, if you're looking at the payment, it's not going to be part of my mortgage payment, but it's an obligation to you. We're going to qualify you on it. And I've even been looking at some condos myself for second homes that some of those HOA fees are crazy. And those are also subject to, I mean, if it's a warrantable condo, meaning the no one individual has main control of that association, then it's going to be a voting process, but it's still something that it's a little bit out of your control. So just make sure you budget for it. You know, if you're buying a condo and it's got a $1,000 HOA fee, make sure you be okay if it goes to twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300, that that's not going to break your budget. So that's another thing. When people call me, I think some things that are just misconceptions or mistakes in the home buying process is number one and foremost, I think it's super important. You pick the right realtor and you pick the right lender. If you get somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, it can be the total difference of great experience versus I don't care if I ever buy another house again. Something on the lending side that I see come up is just not taking into account all your debts and you know, pretty much we're going to find out. I mean, if it's not on your credit report and we see your bank statements and it's an recurring payment there, we're going to see it. So you have to account for stuff like if you're paying child support or alimony, and you also have to answer that question truthfully on an application. So just make sure that, you know, you don't rush through the application and, you know, don't answer that you're divorced and have child support. And then later it comes up because they do searches and, you know, stuff like that does come up and not saying that it was intentional mortgage fraud, but it's definitely would be fraudulent for you to close and not disclose debts like that. So just make sure, just take a little bit of time and read through it. And it's not a big deal. If there's inaccurate information on the application, just make sure it gets updated before you close. So 
when you apply, you know, maybe you're going to get a copy of the disclosures to sign. Take 10 minutes, read through your application, make sure you agree with it. And if you don't, reach out to your lender and tell them like, hey, here's the differences I see. What of this is important and needs changed. Something else I see is a big mistake in buying. And I, I think doctors are pretty savvy. And I think you guys talk a lot amongst one another. So I'm not seeing it near now that I'm focused on doing almost all doctor loans that I used to, but buying the biggest house on the block is a huge mistake. I mean, number one, you're already at risk of your house not appraising whenever you go to buy it. So that's going to be a problem for your loan. But when you go to sell it, something in the middle of the road or the cheaper end of the neighborhood is by far the easiest to sell. And can't stress enough, everybody always hears this and it really is true, is location, location, location. It really is that. I mean, if you think about it, when you're out looking at houses yourself, and you're like, oh, I love the house, but the yard stinks. And then you pass on it and buy a lesser house. Guess what? Next person behind you is thinking the exact same thing. So make sure you're mindful if you do pick that totally awesome house that has, you know, backs up to a busy street. You're probably not going to be selling to somebody that has little kids or somebody that, you know, just doesn't want that. So if it's a problem for you it's going to be a problem for your next buyer too. So just keep that in mind as well. Interest rates, just going to touch on that briefly while I'm talking about mistakes and mistake here right now. I think in this environment, of course, we have no crystal ball and I probably just talked about this and beating a dead horse, bringing this up almost every time I talk lately, but I think rates have gone up enough now, still going up yet through the end of 2022 very likely to go up even more a little bit in 23. Fannie, Freddie, you know, all the market players are in agreement. They think rates are going down in late 23, if not in 2024. And I agree with that. And for that reason, I think you have to strongly consider something like a 7-6 arm over a 30-year fixed with the idea that, hey, I'm going to be refinancing in two years anyway when rates go down half or three quarters of a point of where I'm closing today, it's going to make sense unless you're in a super high cost area where closing costs just make it prohibitive, then a half a point on a $500,000 loan, you will get your closing costs back in a short enough time frame that you're going to want to refinance. So based on that, why pay for a 30-year fixed rate if you think you're not going to have it for the next couple, more than the next couple of years? The flip side of that, there is no guarantees in life. Therefore, you don't know 100% rates are going down in 2024. So if you just don't sleep well at night knowing that, hey, in seven years, this rate could just get out of control, then I can't afford my house, then an arm's not for you. But generally speaking, most people don't stay in their houses more than seven to 10 years anyway. And I think rates are very likely to go down in a couple years, then you certainly shouldn't turn up your nose on an arm with the, at least not considering the savings that you're giving up and just don't go into it closed-minded, I guess, because that's another mistake I see is, you know, honed in on a 30-year fix. That's the only thing for me. And that's just not the right answer. You know, look at your options. I think that's the biggest thing I wanted to cover was just some of the mistakes I'm seeing lately. So 
you ever have any questions, again, you can always reach me at 816-728-3631. DougKraus.com is another way you can get a hold of all my information. Send me an email, ask me anything you want. Thanks for uh, listening to me on the Mortgage Minute, and I'll catch you next time.